Right, happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. You know why I love Fridays? Because it's a podcast day. It's another day to meet with another guest to inspire you to clear whatever obstacles are blocking your path from the success that you want to have. So this is episode number 226, and today we're going to be discussing how to create more joy in your life. But before we get there, if you are brand new, if you're joining me over on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. If you are joining me on either of the Facebook pages, please like and share, because there's a lot of miserable people out there, and they can hear this message of how to create more joy. So help us spread the word. Here's a quick intro about myself, and then we'll get rolling. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. All right, so now we have the teachable moment of the day. And before I dive in, we're going to show a little picture here. You are the greatest project you will ever get to work on. Take your time and create magic. But Rob, how do I go about creating magic? So those who listen to the show on the regular, it's about your personal story. Think about it. If you go on a job interview, they want your story. When you go on a first date, you know, you're sharing stories. You get with your kids at the dinner table. What are you doing? You're telling the story of the day, right? Your personal story is everything. So once you get that mastered, doors are going to open. Just from doing this show, sharing my stories, sharing my guest stories, doors are opening for myself and my guests. I'm collaborating with some of my fo- my former guests. We're creating a speaker a speaker event come coming up later later this year. So just by telling your story, you'll be surprised where it can lead. And I, I hear all the myths like my story's not good enough. Nobody wants to hear, hear my story. My story's not relatable, right? You're creating a false problem, right? You don't know who needs to hear your story if you're not and if, if you're not telling it, you'll never know. So. Figure out what it is about your your life, about the journey of how you got to where you are now, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Package it together and start sharing your experiences. I'm telling you, you'll be surprised what doors open. All right, so that's the teachable moment of the day. My sister is joining us. Good morning, Monique. Nice to see you. All right, so like I said, we're going to be talking about how to create more joy in your life. So joining me is a novelist, a cookbook author, a recipe developer print lifestyle journalist, TV host. This page right here is made for TV. Keep that in mind. 
and television film producer Marianne Redini Spencer. Hello. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. All right. So you're joining me from California. How's life over there today? It's beautiful. We're having a heat wave, but it's listen, <laughs> listen, don't be talking to us cold weather people about a heat wave. <laughs> it's like blasphemy to us. <laughs> Again, it's like I I love Rhode Island from like May to November. December to March. I'm always like, why am I here? It's like there's parts in this country where it's warm year round. Why am I here? Well, you know, I'm from the East Coast. I'm from Boston and I grew oh, up nice. in Rhode Island, New York. So I totally okay. know what you're talking about. Yes. Um, all my East Coast family does complain in the winters lately. It's <laughs> yep. Colder, I think. <laughs> yep. Yeah, in the in the summer, fall, it's like, oh, I love it here. It's beautiful. You know, with Rhode Island being so small, you can travel places very quickly. It's a very convenient state to live in. But when that when them 10 degree wind chills hit, <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> oh man. So are you originally from Cali? You know, I grew up outside of Boston in a little town called Sudbury. Sudbury. Lived on an apple orchard. Yeah. And uh, we moved to New York after my my dad was a college professor. He got his PhD. We moved to Long Island, New York, and uh, in the suburbs, beautiful place, a great place to grow up. Nice. Yeah, I have relatives on Bay Shore, I believe, on Long oh. Island. Yeah, nice. I'm from nice, the nice um, North Shore. I'm okay. from like Syosset Oyster Bay area. Okay, yeah, I'm not familiar with that one. Okay. But, uh, like, yeah, I know like the lower, the lower part of... Uh, uh-huh. Of Long Island. I almost said Manhattan, <laughs> of Long Island. <laughs> All right. So how would you describe yourself? You know, I love your intro because you talked about being who you are and telling your story. And I tell my stories, although I didn't always. Uh, it was yes. a journey for me to tell. But I'm a storyteller. I'm a content creator. Yes. And however that takes form, it might take form in an article it could take form in a podcast, a TV show, a movie, a book. Um, and I've done all of the above. Um, I started, I was a communications major. I went to Hofstra University on Long Island and um, I studied TV and film. But before that, I worked in theater. I was an acting apprentice and I also did a lot of costuming behind the scenes. So I was always involved with entertainment in different ways. But when I graduated college, I had to get a job. <laughs> and so I I had to really start somewhere. I worked in Manhattan shortly as um, an assistant. I was a secretary. I was a casting assistant, a producer's assistant before I moved to LA. Okay. Wow. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, stor- so storytelling, it, it seems it came kind of natural for you. It did. I always loved to tell stories. I would play with my Barbie dolls growing up with my friends and we tell stories through the dolls. Um, I put my parents down and my grandparents and I'd perform for them. <laughs> you know, I was always thinking and I would listen to music and I would hear stories and, and think of things. And if I looked at a painting, I was always like, I would really get into the painting and I'd be thinking, Hmm, what was that? You know, what kind of thing happened there? How did they create that? And so I think I was all, I love to read. 
Um, I love to be in plays. So um, I, it was almost like a natural progression. My mom actually said to me one summer when I was too young to work, um, I was so bored. And she said, well, you always like theater and movies. Why don't you join the local theater group? And so I did. And that kind of put me on a certain path. Um, but as I said before, it wasn't, I had to take other jobs to get to that path. Um, when I moved to California, I, I, I got a job and I had so many interviews lined up. I was a temporary on one of the studio lots. And that led to getting tickets because I asked. I said, oh boy, I see tickets to a concert and I, I wanna go because I had a feeling my intuition was telling me you could possibly meet someone there where you might learn about a full-time job. And that's exactly what happened. And I got a job working at CNN as a producer writer uh, in the early days of CNN in the 80s when Ted Turner was helming it. And uh, all the people I worked with in the LA Bureau were all college graduates. So we were all in the same boat and it was so much fun creating TV and, you know, going out and listening to um, and going to every Hollywood event, interviewing people and figuring out what we wanted to put on the entertainment news. It was fantastic. Yes. So I, I don't know if it popped up on the screen, but one of the, one of the listeners said that you're awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, there's like must be a lag in my in my internet or something because like yeah. everything's everything's moving very slowly, <laughs> and I don't know why. <laughs> so for for me too, like my sister had put that you would fit fit into our family per perfectly because we're like I'm the youngest of seven seven kids, and all oh, wow. of us, all of us, you know, parents included, like all of us are really really big storytellers. And, you know, I find one of the biggest, biggest things. So talking about joy is a lot of people hold a lot of things inside. You know, so, so okay. what's one, one of your words of advice to encourage someone to, to share more? Because it can lead to them, you know, releasing that weight, which can lead to more joy. You know, you mentioned something about releasing Wait, and I do think if you're not living authentically into who you are, because we all have gifts that we're given, our one of our purposes here is to share those gifts because they're God given, you know. And I really do believe that when you don't, you do feel weighted by the world, you don't have a certain joy in your life. And I know for me, I remember in my 20s when I was a secretary, which I I had to actually go to typing school because when I graduated, I really couldn't type well. And that's the only job at the, in the, at the time you could get. And I was miserable. Um, I was like, oh, I didn't go to school for this or I don't really want to do this. But sometimes you do have to work through those things and find joy in the little things and keep that vision of what you want, because that is so important. You want to keep alive your dream and um, find ways to do that and make yourself happy. It could be a little things, walk in nature, um, connect with your friends, um, you know, have some joy with your family and, 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 and surround yourself with people who are supportive of you. Yes. Not ones who are going to say, oh, you're right. This isn't awful. You're never going to make it. You know, I'm not going to make it, whatever. Mm -hmm. You have to surround yourself with positive people who say, yeah, you know, keep going. I know it's difficult, 
But you know something, if you keep that vision, you're going to do it and maybe do little things every day to take you one step closer and be open to the possibilities because your path may not be direct. Mine wasn't. Yes. Is that true? Yes, I was just going to say, I had a talk with my son just yesterday. He just turned 23. He's a mechanic. 23? You don't look yeah. like you could have a 23. <laughs> I'm going to be 48 in a, in a few no. months. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. But uh, yeah, so he's a mechanic and we were just talking about his, his future. You know, because I'm like, you know, what you're doing now, you know, you're working full time. You know, I applaud you for that. But what do you want big picture? And can you get there doing what you're doing now? You know, so, so we just started exploring possibilities. And so I said, if you started doing your own thing, said so the, the beauty of capitalism, I know some people don't like capitalism, but the beauty of it is you can flip it. I said, right now, if you do a break job, it's 200 bucks. It takes you an hour. You're making whatever your hourly wages. They're getting the rest of it. I said, mm-hmm. but you have the ability to flip it. I said, if you find some place where you can do side work, easy things, you know, like, you know, brakes, tune-ups, oil changes, rotate tires. Now you can take the bulk of it. And then as you get busy, you can hire someone to help you. Exactly. I said, so, so that's how you flip the script. You know, so I think too many times, like you said, we're all born with gifts, but we let outside noise keep us suppressing our gifts plus yeah. our own fear. Yes. And I think um, for me, I always have to kind of stop the noise. And for me, that is being quiet, being by myself, a walk in nature, a walk by the beach, in the mountains or in the park or whatever, having that time to just reassess what I'm feeling. You know, is this working for me? Is, you know, am I doing what I should be doing? Sometimes it takes us a while to figure out out what it is we all have definitely gifts and sometimes let's say if you're a musician you might you know you're going to be composing your music but you might not be making money with that right away sometimes as an artist and i know this as a writer producer you have other if there can be another stream of income that can help you do what you need to do while you're working on your dream that's really important for me As I mentioned, I was a writer producer at CNN, but then I started doing a lot of magazine writing, article writing, and I met many publicists. And when my job at CNN was over, or I I actually, after a number of years, I needed some new challenges. I was made an offer to be a publicist. And I thought, well, that's not really making movies, right? I'm a writer. Do I really want to be a publicist? But I took the job opportunity. It was a very good opportunity. It was an entertainment. I met a lot of great people and I learned a craft that would come in handy later. And so, and also um, I worked my way up the studio system where I became, you know, uh, working at Paramount. I became a senior VP of publicity and production um, and production at the Cannell Studios. And so while I did all that, I never realized I would even have my own company. But I ended up having a number of contracts I left. And my company for all these years has been PR and marketing and production. And so I could pursue my creative passions while I also was paying my bills. And I think that's really important. It's not 
you, many people have to do that. Not everyone gets a multi-picture, multi-million dollar deal working for Paramount or Warner Brothers yeah. out of the door. Yes. You know? Yeah, and, and what you said earlier about it's not a straight line. And what I tell, tell people is it may not look, it may not finish the way you draw it up. You know, like even just take this, this podcast, for instance. I mean, obviously I'm a gym owner. And when I started doing it, I was just talking about fitness stuff. Mm -hmm. And then when I started getting guests, you know, my first guest was a chef. My second guest was a therapist. And our episode, it just got me expanding my own mind of the things that I do in the gym. Because in the gym, it's like people unload from their day. You know, especially yeah. pe people that train in the afternoons, you know, they're, and they're talking about their jobs or they're talking about their significant other or they're stressed with the kids. And, and I'm constantly giving advice, giving feedback. And I was like, I, I wonder if I can just splice the two. It's like, I don't have, I don't have, you know, a, a background in psychology or anything, you know, full, full disclosure. I dropped out of college three times, you know, but, it, but it's like, that was a perfect marriage. So once I started getting into the more storytelling and having guests come on and share their stories, that's when it started to to expand. Because, yeah. you know, the, the, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of facets you can talk about fitness, but over time, you're going to recycle the same topics. Mm -hmm. you know, talking about drinking water and, the, you know, the importance of fiber and the truth about carbs. Like, like, I don't want to talk about the same stuff over and over. Right. So, what, so the storytelling became appealing because everybody has a unique one. Yeah, this is 226 episodes and not one person has said the exact same thing someone else has said. So it's another opportunity for me to learn as well. Absolutely. And we all can learn from each other and sharing and networking. And sometimes you also need just to hear a story that could have a similarity to you. Let's say someone who overcame an obstacle or someone had a creative idea of how to solve that problem. It's really important that we do that. And I think that's, you know, why there are a lot of organizations, business organizations and um, tribes, so to speak, with different groups here and there, because you do learn a lot. Um, and I'm constantly learning, um, listening to other people or taking webinars or seminars. And there's so much information out there that I think it's important. And also technology to get your stories out is constantly changing. So you definitely have to be, you know, aware and keeping on top of things. And but you do that by listening to other people and other people's stories. Yes, like this is my third notebook since I started this. There's like, as, as the guests talk, I say, and, and I take notes. And there are, there are lots of things that I, that I learned. Like I had someone on, She's, she's into health and health and wellness also. And I was like, I'm super competitive, right? So the people that, that know me, they, they know I don't play for fun, right? I play to win. That's just how I'm wired, right? And, and so I told her, it's like, but sometimes I have relatability issues, you know, when people just constantly give up on themselves, you know? In my mind, I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like, why are you pay, paying me money and you're not showing up? And, you know, I, shit, I shared a story where, before I got into fitness, I was a restaurant manager. And at one point, you know, I, I let myself go a little, had some, had some drama, you know. And, but anyway, I ended up losing 45 pounds. Wow. And what, what she said to me was, yeah, but you knew what you were running to. She's like, because you were fit. You know, I was an all-American athlete. So she's like, right. you were fit. 
You know, so when you hit the point, you knew exactly what you were running to. I said someone that's maybe been sedentary their whole lives and now they're trying to, to, trying to get fit, like that's all they know. So it's very easy to revert back to, to your default settings. Well, I think, you know, again, even with that, if someone has a picture in mind and people put um, pictures on their refrigerator, you know, if you have, if you can do while you're in that process, if you can do something, it might be change your hair, get a new outfit, make yourself feel better, set smaller goals, and then you'll see that you can achieve them. They're easy. You know, with writing, I remember I always wanted to write a novel. And I thought, okay, I'll do that. I kept pushing it off and off into the future. And I had written for TV. I wrote news. I wrote articles. I wrote scripts for television, but not and film, but not my novel. And then one day I thought, okay, I don't really have to sit down and write the whole thing. I can take it in steps. So I devised a step where I could do little things, maybe uh, four pages a day, five pages a day, you know, set its time a few hours. And then over the course of a few months, I'd have my first draft. And that's really what I did. So I think you have to do that with everything because not everything, you don't achieve your goal right away. It's steps. And you have to keep on the path and relish when you do it and that how good that makes you feel. Yes. I think if you keep pounding yourself over the head, you're not going to do it. You're not, you won't, you have to think positive. I am going to do it. Okay. So I failed. I ate chocolate cake. Okay. So tomorrow or, you know, this evening's another evening. I don't have to do that. I can go for a walk around the block. Yes. You, you don't have to like torture yourself. And then say, I'm going to fail. Sometimes it's also comforting. You know, everyone does comfort eating, you know, but you have to kind of get out of that and make yourself find ways or tricks to talk to yourself. Yes. And that's that's key. I want to double down on what you just said about taking the baby steps, going back to, to the conversation with my son yesterday mm-hmm. where he was talking about, you know, well, if I get if I get my own space, then you know, I'm going to need a hydraulic lift and that costs X amount of dollars. I said, whoa, 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 baby steps, baby steps. I'm like, think back to when I started the gym right now. What would you say if if you saw, saw an ad to come and train in some stranger's house in his spare bedroom? You you would be like, hell no, more, <laughs> more, than, more than likely. But that's how I started. Like, that was what I had to start with. Yeah. And, you know, group fitness classes is mostly mostly uh, female clients. Mm-hmm. But but I positioned myself to where people felt comfortable coming to my house and training in my spare bedroom. And then from mm-hmm. there, I, I moved to the basement because there was more space. Mm-hmm. And then as it grew even more, I gutted out the garage and moved into the garage. And then, you know, started started getting warmer out. And there was a, a, a park near my house. So we started training out there in the park. And it's like, and I built up enough clients to where now I can share space with someone else. So I found mm-hmm. a karate dojo and I started sharing space there. And, and then it still grew, it still grew, it still still grew. And then two, two of my clients came to me and offered to partner with me to open up our, our own facility. Nice. You know, but but it started in that spare bedroom. And even my my now ex at the time like, 
you really think people are going to come here and train in a house? And I was like, well, with that attitude, they're definitely not going <laughs> to. It's like, I'm like, this is what I have to offer. Yeah. This is where I have to do it. You know, so it's like just starting there and then just let things unravel naturally. You know, I have an interesting story. Uh, when I worked in Manhattan the short time right after college, um, as I mentioned, I was a secretary uh, or an assistant casting person, assistant to the producers. And decided, um, much to my family's dismay, that I needed to move to Hollywood. And um, I really didn't have a lot at the time. Um, and But I knew that if I didn't go, I'd never do it. And I knew that the movie making industry was mainly in Los Angeles. So um, I quit my job. I gave my notice. And my boss said to me, what are you doing? You are going like to Hollywood, that's such a dream. You're not going to make it, blah, 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 how hard it is just bombarding me with negative, negative, negative. Yeah. But I just, I was very naive and I thought, <laughs> okay, well, I'll try it. <laughs> you know, yes. and I don't think so. I think I'm going to do it. Yeah. And um, a, a lot of, I went through a lot, but I did it and I got that job at CNN. And when I called to tell one of my old associates about it, this man got on the line and he said, they didn't call me for a reference. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course not. I'm not going to give, you know, that his exactly. my reference. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I wouldn't call that you being naive. You followed your heart. I did. You know, like I said on, on Wednesday's show, you know, we were talking, talking about, you know, finding your path and everything. And what what I had said was you you find what you look for. Yeah. Like that's what it is. If, if you're looking for all the problems that, that are going to be in your path, you're going to find them all. Yeah. It's like they're, they're all going to be there. But if you just keep your eye on that prize, you'll navigate through all the problems and then you'll eventually land on the prize. You do. And I actually know someone who is she's had an amazing story. A woman I've worked with. Um, she's a, an a lot older now, but she started a foundation. She had a, a, a son with disabilities and she wanted to give him a better life. So what she did, she started something in her living room and grew it into one of the top agencies in Los Angeles, helping special needs kids. And even today I see when she runs into an obstacle, she'll go, oh, oh, well, that's life you know, or, oh, oh, well, and kind of tosses it over and still proceeds ahead. <laughs> she recognizes it, okay, we'll work it out. It'll work. Yeah. Something will happen, you know, and it always does. Never fails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, again, you know, some, some, some people misconstrue the law of attraction. You know, it's not like if you just think it, it's going to pop up on your doorstep. It's like, that's what a lot of people think it is. It's what you, what you feed. Mm-hmm. that's, that's what's going to grow, you know? So like, if, if, if you like with the gym, it was a, it was a rough time getting it going. Cause like I said, I dropped out of college. So like, I don't have a business background, but I was a restaurant manager for a long time. So it was one of those things where I just had to step back. Like, what do you already have in the arsenal that you can use? It's like, I know how to hire people. I know, I know HR practices. I know how to do sales forecasting, prop, profit and loss and income statements. You know, so like I, I already have that. I know how to lead a team of people. So I've, I've been managing people for a decade, you know, hundreds of people. It's like, I just need to learn the market. 
So I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. So I go to Dr. Google. I need I need to find like I need to find like a seminar where I can learn marketing and branding. And then I just learned that that piece while I was building the gym. You know, like I was just using Craigslist ads and stuff to, to, to build it while I was learning how to market. And here we are, a couple I thousand clients later. I think that's important because what you did was you took the steps. You don't always know everything about something that you're going to want to do. So you learn. And there's many avenues today. You don't you there's more than just going to the library. We do have search engines and we can do it from the comfort of our home. So I think it is important to constantly be looking and seeing what you can learn and being aware. And that's half of what it is. It's all about learning. And if you're open to that rather than, you know, saying, no, I can't do that or no, that's too hard. I, I, for example, when I was doing a lot of, um, I was working with a lot of different companies and before 2008, we always hired web people and web designers and things like that. I never thought I would learn how or even want to know how to build a website or a blog. Mm-hmm. And um, something happened where I got an interim job heading up a PR division and I needed to know more about how to do certain things online. Yeah. So I ended up learning how to do it. And then I developed um, I wanted to do a recipe and cooking blog. And so, um, cause I had already a show that I was doing simply delicious living, which is all about healthy cooking and eating healthy lifestyle, creating your recipe. Yeah. And, um, I had done a lot of, um, food writing, but I thought it would be fun to have a blog. And at that time people were starting to have websites and blogs. It was probably the early, um, around 2010, 11, 12. And I learned how to build my own website. Wow. But I was able to use that for clients because I started doing blogging for them. And I started doing, creating their media channels. So in things that I was doing for my passions, I was also working with my clients discovering and learning for them and share helping them how to share their message by some of the things that I was learning. It's fantastic. But whoever thought of that? Yeah. Never yeah, thought my, I would be doing those things. <laughs> yeah. My sister put on, um, everyone has a great story. They just need to be comfortable with themselves so they can yeah. tell it. And there, there is a lot of truth there, yeah. but it's, it's, they have to be comfortable telling the story. You know, like un- understanding how to tell the story. Yes. Then, then the comfort level grows. Like I did, I did a full a full video on why people fear public speaking, and the number one reason is because they're not prepared. Yeah, you know, it's like if, if we're gonna talk about storytelling, I can talk all day about resilience, confidence, talk all day long. But if you ask me to talk about nuclear physics, <laughs> I'm gonna have to do some research. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like I can't just speak on that topic. Right. So it's like just. The, the more you tell your story, the more and more. Like my dad passed in 2019. You know, wow. so when when he first passed, it was tough. You know, like I had mm-hmm. to do, I had to do, I feel I feel like I had a show the very next day. You know, so it was still fresh. Oh, and wow. you know, during the show, you know, I, I had tears coming down. And then, but just the more I tell the story, the more I tell the story, it's like I can I can get through most of it now. 
You know, like mm-hmm. if, if I go from the time he got sick to the time we had to end care, at some point in there, it's going to choke me up. Yes. You know, but 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 I, I can tell it now. I can tell the teachable moments in there. Like I can pull people into the story so they can feel what myself and my family felt. And that's the power of the story. So if you get someone else who is going through loss, like actually one of my clients just recently lost her dad as well. So I was able to, to just give give her some things that she might be feeling, you know, and just take the time, take some alone time, you know, and feel it. It's like, because yeah. we, we tend to go into work mode to just bury it. It's like, I have to do this. It's like, no, that is yeah, really just sit good. down and feel it. Yes. We do have to feel that we have to feel the pain so we can get healed and move beyond it. And people yes. do try to avoid it or put band-aids. And speaking about your dad, when I was writing my first novel, I started writing and I placed it in a different time. It was a different story and I put it away. And um, when I went to Kauai, which is Hanalei Bay, I was there and I thought, no, because I knew I wanted to write a family story and a story about spirit somehow and intuition and following your truth. And um, I loved it there. It was so peaceful and beautiful. And I remember walking down this one street and near the ocean and I thought it the book has to be here. So I started outlining a story. And during that time period, my mom got sick and she was diagnosed with a brain tumor and within six weeks, we she didn't have an operation because it wouldn't have worked. So we took her home. We partied for six weeks, had all relatives come. She had a fabulous time. And it was only the last week that she was actually in her in the bed. And um, I used that in my book because it was so profound what happened with, with losing my mom. Yes. And I thought this could help people. He, it helped me, but it could help other people heal and overcome loss. And then I changed the whole story to make my character not only overcome that loss, but other losses in her life. Yes. So she had to, she went to Hanalei, a friend invited her. I made it so a friend invited her to a cottage where she could kind of rest, recuperate, think and heal and figure out what was going on in her life and where to go. You know, and and of course, she ends up doing that. And now I'm on the fourth novel. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's called the Kate Grace novel series. And basically, but I'm using it for just lessons, you know, healing, life, family, relationships. And when you do that, when you allow yourself, for me, allowing myself to feel what I was feeling led to me writing the story. Yes. Even though it's fiction, I used pieces from my real life, which authors do. They always do. And um, they use a character or someone they know or a situation, and they change facts around. But I I really – it was so profound that I had to. I get what you're saying. It's like going back to the teachable moment of of the day and sharing a story you never know where it's going to lead it's like first and foremost storytelling is the oldest form of entertainment you know so like long before tv and movies people used to sit around and tell stories yeah and so comedians use it you know like you said authors use it you know a lot of movies are based on on true events and people people love to feel like they're not alone no, yeah. that's the thing. And the other part of it, too, is that the stories don't have to be in alignment. 
You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, you know, you lost your mom. I lost my dad. And, but it, it could be someone who got fired from their job. They were there for 30 years. Absolutely. How, how you pick up the pieces and move forward. They're very similar. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. I, I that's what I love about storytelling because I think it's, it does help lessen, it, it brings us together, you know, more than apart. And it shows how we all want certain things, family, love, our connection to the universe, to God, you know. Um, and I actually, I started doing my own stories because I was doing everyone else's <laughs> as a producer. <laughs> I was yeah. producing a lot of shows and movies for other people that were on TV and did well. And I loved work, those experiences. But I thought, you know, this isn't really what I got into this for. Yeah. If I'm spending this much time and effort, I need to tell stories that resonate with me that I want to share, that I feel bring value. And so um, in writing the Kate Grace novel series, that's how I got into <clears throat> for myself, even though aloha, the word aloha means love and it has a lot of different meanings. I fell in love with Hawaii. Yeah. But Hawaii, the meaning of aloha can work for anybody. You know, because it's how we treat others, you know, our, our family, you know, being um, treating people with love, respect, kindness, consideration, understanding, trying to do that. So it increases the mana of the whole planet, you know, and I think sometimes we forget that, but we need to be more like that. And I thought, you know, I'm going to kind of dedicate myself to doing stories that can entertain, uplift, teach that aloha feeling. Um, call people to their spiritual side, to God, you know, because I think that when we are grateful for what we have and we really, when we look at all the blessings that we do have, you know, you can create more blessings. And um, and I really do believe in the golden rule. Which is? Which is treat others like the way you want to be treated. Very true. From the Bible. So one thing you said there that I want to, oh, sorry, hold on. My sister said we should do a storytelling sem seminar. I'm down. I'm down. Let's set that up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So one thing you said there, you said, this is not why I got into this. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like a lot of people struggle with that. And I'll, I'll just tell a quick one about myself. So I get in, into the gym you know, I have, no, I think that this was just before I got the business partners. I got a business coach, you know, just, just to make sure I'm doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And one thing he said, he says, you know, I, I'm working with this guy. You know, he just opened up his third location and he never has to set foot in any of them. I was like, that sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I'm a fitness coach because I want to be there right. when people are doing you know, when, when they're hitting their, their goals, when, when they're hitting the milestones, when they're accomplishing things, when they're they're lifting heavier weights, you know, when they're running without stopping. Like, I want to be there for all right. of those moments. It's like, that's why I do this. Like, that's why I say I don't call myself a trainer. I call myself a coach. Yes. You know, like, I am a coach. Like, a coach is right there on the sidelines watching. Like, I want to watch their, their growth. Because a lot of people who join a fitness program, it's usually coming off of something. Mm -hmm. you know, whether they got divorced, again, whether they lost a job, you know, like there's just, just many reasons why people come. And it's usually they don't come in already fit, full of energy and ready to go. 
you know so so taking them through that journey yeah like that's why i do it you know that's what brings me joy so sure. i told, told him i was like that's not what i want like that doesn't bring me happiness i don't want to sit sit at home and have three it's like yeah you can make make more money that that way but it's like i'm in this to help the people it's like yeah. that's why i do what i do yeah so you have to know what touches your heart and what brings you joy like you're talking about joy yes. and so you want to be able to feel that in your daily life connecting with others however you do it whether it's through your writing your podcast your workout sessions whatever because you can create these big empires and that's how you hear you watch stories about this people create these big empires and they feel horrible and they have no family life and they're not connected to friends or family they yes. work and all of a sudden they don't see their kids and their kids are grown up you know and out of the house so I think we have to kind of have a, a way to incorporate our life and living our life and enjoying yes. our life as we get to where we want to go. And knowing that it may take different paths, it may the, there will be some obstacles probably, you know, it happens to everyone. But, you know, the joy is some of the joy is in the steps and you can't stop your life because all of a sudden, if you do, you're going to be a certain age and you're going to look back and yeah. say, what happened? I didn't enjoy it. I was always waiting to enjoy it mm -hmm. and find that joy. And you don't want to do that. You want to kind of figure out what you need to do on a daily basis to create that joy. Little things. You know? See, and, and, and that gets plucked from a young age because I spoke at a career fair at a at a middle school down in the southern end of the state. And so as I get there, these kids, so middle school, you're talking, what's that, like 10, 10, 10 11, 12, somewhere yeah. around there. Mm -hmm. And they already knew the life cycle. They're like, you know, you go to school, you go to college, you get a job, you work, you retire, you die. <laughs> it's like, and oh, these, are, and these, are, these yeah. are kids saying it. I was, I was yeah. like, where in there are you having fun? Yeah. Well, right. Where in are you having fun? And you hear people say, oh, no, you got to work like 12 hour days to make it anywhere. Like you got to just be that blue collar worker. And it's like not not today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like depending on what what your field is. Right. But like like with my son, again, talking with him yesterday, he was saying, you know, I kind of thought thought about going back to school to for psychology. And I was like now this dude's loved cars forever. And me, I'm a visionary. So I was like. I like I can't see him being in like a, a clinical setting. Like I know my kid, you know. I mean, like he just he just wouldn't thrive in, in that environment. But I said, why don't you do this? Why don't you try to partner with a local school and maybe get kids and use mechanics as an outlet, you know? So because you know you have your behavioral kids and because like mm -hmm. I'm actually going to be doing doing one in in um, Pro Providence for the inner city kids, mm -hmm. but you but using fitness as the vehicle to help teach them life skills and stuff. I said, why don't you do something like that? So that way you're still working with, with someone, you're helping them to better themselves, and but you're still doing what you enjoy doing, which is working on cars. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like, you gotta, you gotta bring, you, you gotta basically take what you want. Sure. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. so getting people to understand that's the hard part. Uh, it's, it, he could also teach classes. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah, he mentioned that that too. That he thought about thought about about teaching classes because you know again when it comes comes back back to joy when people go chasing money, it's like you know people people say it all the time. Money doesn't buy you happiness. Wow. There's rich people in jail. There's rich people who commit suicide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not a fact. Yeah, it's nice to have have all the bills paid, but it doesn't automatically mean you're gonna be happy. But no. when you're doing things that light your soul on fire, mm-hmm. that's when you have the true joy. Right. And I think it's all a matter of connecting to that, figuring out pathways to that. You know, sometimes um, there are techniques where besides walking in nature, you might write in the morning. You know, there's books about writing what you're, what's in your mind, getting it all out it makes you clarify things or talking to a friend who can be, you know, a positive influence and just listen to you and be supportive about possibilities Yes. and investigating the possibilities, whether it's research online or just um, taking a class or interning somewhere or volunteering somewhere. I mean, all those things because, and sometimes again, it may not be clear your path, but you could learn about something that way and you go, wow, I really like this. I think I'm going to go in that direction. So sometimes you may change it and it's okay. As long as it's something that brings you joy and that you feel is constructive to your life. Yeah. Like I was saying about this, this show, you know, it started, started out with just fitness. Mm-hmm. And then, then I was like, you know, I like, I want to talk to other people. It's like, what? Yeah. Where do I find these people? Yeah. You know, and then then that imposter syndrome kick, kicks in. It's like you're thinking Joe Rogan gets like 11 million, million uh, visits per, per podcast. And and it's like, you know, who's going to who's going to listen to me? You got all these celebrities and all these like former former professional athletes. They all have these podcasts like who's going to listen to me? Like and we, we have viewers in 35 different countries. Wow. You know, 35. And, and, and it's all just because I just started. Yeah, I just started. They didn't really have clear direction. I just knew, you know, I'm good in front of the camera and, you know, I have things to talk about. But but it just with each episode, it just evolved and it evolved. And like I like this conversational style. Yes. And like I said, you know, the guests get to learn more about me. I get to learn more about them. Because mm-hmm. when I first started, I used to do the send, send me talking points and we'll, we'll, we'll go to. And like I found I was spending an hour with people. And at the end of the hour. I knew nothing about them. Yeah. (laughs) Because all we did was talk about the business or Mm -hmm. or whatever it is that they have. It's like, I want to get to know the person. Absolutely. That's why I think it's important to, you know, you can have your talking points, but I've done interviews where I've given the talking points, but you don't even talk about the talking points. (laughs) You might talk about one or two of them, but you definitely go into a different direction because it, it, that's what the communication is. It's just back and forth, give and take. Yeah, yeah. And and I find, find too, when, when you answer the same question over and over and over, it just it just sounds almost ro- robotic. Yes. You know, so that's why I, I just like the, the organic styles. All right, mm-hmm. here's, here's the topic. Let's just discuss the topic and just go from there. Yes. And I think, you know, you were talking about giving joy, what gives you joy. I think also you do have to analyze that every so often. Am I happy about doing this or am I, do I feel like I'm giving enough or uh, am I doing what's giving me 
you know, what I feel I should be doing. Like I, many times I'll do that with a book idea. I'll say, well, I want to do this idea, but you have to be very passionate because it's going to take a lot of work. So do I feel that this theme or this idea can be strong enough to take me through doing that? Um, and, or, and, and it's really just important, but I find for me, part of my joy just comes out of creating something every day whether it be a recipe idea, uh, a decorating idea. It's kind of, I like, I'm always doing something creative. And for me, that's it. And I remember when I was um, writing a food article about, and I interviewed a chef. Um, I was the um, food editor for a while for Palm Springs Life magazine. And I interviewed a chef and I asked him a few questions. And he said, I have to create every day something with food, <laughs> you know, something new yes. that that's what gave him joy. And I thought, wow, that's really awesome. But he was very in touch with that, that he knew that he had to be in his kitchen creating a different recipe or com food combining in a certain way that was different. And I love that because yes. I also love to cook. <laughs> <laughs> See, my dad, he was an engineer. If my sister's still listening, she can she can definitely attest to this. Is he always had to be constructing something. Mm -hmm. Something. Every time I pull up into the house, you know, hey mom, where's dad in the garage? <laughs> where's dad in the garage? <laughs> and you go out there and he's concocting something. <laughs> you know, yeah. I remember I remember as a teen. I went with him to Home Depot. Like my mom used to have a garden and he, yeah, I think she said always. And so she wanted a rototiller. And so we're there, we're, we're looking at him and he's sizing it up. He's sizing it up. He's like, I can make that. And I'm like, you can make that? And wow. then, yeah, in a matter of days, he had it made. He went out there, had his, when I tell you, he had every gadget imaginable in this garage. I bet. Like, when he passed, it took us like six weeks to sort through all of his stuff. Oh <laughs> he had so much stuff in that garage. But he made it. You know, like he, he made all of his automotive things. He he, he, he made everything. He was like a little bit of an inventor. Was he also, did he build things? Like, did he build um, or do construction yeah. in the house? Oh, yeah. 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 When, oh. when, I, when I tell you, he was I... an engineer. He could do it all. Oh, he could that's do it all. Fantastic. And like. As, as he was getting up there in age, remember, I just pop, popped in one day, and he's up on, so now there's like an outdoor inn, like like a covered covered deck. Mm -hmm. And so I get there, and he's he's on top of the roof, and he's, you know, wheeling up this, this big board. And I was like, why don't you call me? And, he, and he's like, well, he's like, I made this. <laughs> so, so he got the board on, he clamped it on, used oh his little God. pulley system to get it up and on. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That's great. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, my, my sister just put this up. Uh, we were at a funeral and he was reconstructing the church in his mind. <laughs> that, that's, oh. that's how his mind is, though. Yeah. <laughs> it works. Yeah, we all said when he passed, like, you know he's going to be up there, there in heaven scrutinizing the pearly gates. <laughs> like, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like why is this like this? <laughs> but you know what, though? But that's where he found his joy. He yeah. found his joy in creating and building. See, that's lovely. And that's yes. important. And I do think we all, you know, if, if someone's having a problem trying to figure that out, I think writing, spending time with themselves, making a list of things they like to do. Yes. Kind of like envisioning themselves in different careers or 
checking it out, researching, volunteering, interning, that kind of stuff, just so they really, you know, you can really feel um, what is what is making you happy. Because we all do. I really do believe that we all have something. And it can be, you know, people can be extremely happy. You know, let's say if someone wants to work in retail, they can be extremely happy working in retail. It doesn't have to be, you know, not everyone has to be, a, you know, a certain career. Yes. Um, and the the money can be part of it, but, you know, it needs to be what you, what your talents are, what you like, because out of that can come out a lot of things that you don't expect. A lot of Absolutely. really good things. Absolutely. See, and going to what you said about write, writing it down, like with my son, it was easy because, like I said, he always loved cars. Right. So my my oldest daughter, she's in school now, too, and we reverse engineered it. I was like, write down everything that makes you happy, everything that comes in into your brain, is, whether it's hiking, whether, is it music, is it drawing, is it arts? Like, just write down everything. And then I was like, all right, so out of out of those, what makes you the most happy? I was like, if you could work with one group of people, who would it be? And then, you know, so we're writing it down. And it's like, now what careers can get, can have you working with those people doing that thing that makes you happy? You know, and so she's going to kind of, kind of do similar to what, to what I, to what I do, which, um, and she came up with it all on her own. Though, Cause I told her, I said, don't go into fitness just because I, just because I do it. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, no, because you're not just about fitness. She's like, you're, you're about helping people change their lives. And, Ooh, she's, like, nice. and she's like, that's what I want to do. Cause she's, she's been right, right by my side the entire time from when I was training in the, the spare bedroom and she oh, was she, she'd be right there. So she's been to the meetings I have. I, I've, I've hosted women's empowerment groups. And so she, she's been present for all of that. And, and she's like, I want to help change people's lives like you do. Oh, that's fantastic. So I was like, awesome. But but it yeah. started it started with that first thing was what makes you happy. Right. You know, yeah. too many people, I, I, I think the number is over 70% of people that have a degree and they're in a field that has nothing to do with their education. Well, sometimes they're told to, I know kids in college that, you know, one girl I remember, her family said, you have to be an accountant. Mm. She hated it. She did it, but she, yeah. I don't know what she's doing now. I lost touch, but a lot of people are influenced yes. or you have to do this in order, you know, you need to do that. And then they discover later, no, that's not really what I want. It happens a lot. Yeah, exactly. Like me, like I said, I'm super competitive, right? As, as, as an athlete, mm -hmm. super competitive. Um, my oldest daughter, she's probably closest to my competitive level. But like my, my oldest son, he couldn't care less. It's like he'll he'll go like he'll play stuff, but he's just not to where I am. And then I have a younger daughter. She's she's competitive, but she she's like, eh, if we lose, whatever. Whereas like if I lose, I'm studying I'm studying a film. Where did I go wrong? What could I do better? What can I improve on? <laughs> you know. And um, I have twin boys as well. Oh my so, goodness, you've got a lot of kids. Yeah, yeah I got five. And wow. it's, like, it's like if I could splice those two, because oh. like one one of them is super competitive, and the the other one he has the physical gifts, but he's like, eh. <laughs> you know, like if I could put you guys together, I'd have my ideal athlete. Oh, you're <laughs> but, so funny. but it's like, but, but it's like you know, you you can't you can't force them. No, that, you can't. That's the thing. My, you can't my brother, them. one of one of my brothers, um, 
he had he's two incredible daughters but he pr probably wanted a son too and um but his one of his daughters is such an amazing athlete i mean all kinds of championships and whatever oh, yeah. and he coached the team and i'm like well he got an athlete <laughs> <laughs> yep. he was like, a very good athlete <laughs> going back to what what we said earlier it's not all it's not always going to look the way you draw it up it might not <laughs> just go for it he and he couldn't be happier yeah, <laughs> yeah. now he's getting a lot of grandsons though <laughs> uh, there it is. <laughs> so, so what's what's next for you? What you know, I'm working on the fourth novel uh, in the Kate Grace novel series. Yeah. Um, working on a new cookbook. Um, I still have my show on PBS, Simply Delicious Living. I'm working to expand that in a bigger format, and um, just loving creating. Um, I, I, I also wrote the screenplay to uh, the first Kate Grace novel, Lady in the Window, and I'm trying to get that set up as a movie because oh, nice. I, I've done a number of, um, of other people's movies. I've had a big movie with mine with Lo The Lost Valentine with Betty White uh -huh. really well. Um, and I do think because I have a few novels in this series, it would make a great series. So please, God. <laughs> it was meant to be. <laughs> and where, where can people find your books? Um, they can find them on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, just go to my name, Marianne Radini Spencer. Um, my website, alohawriter.com or myname.com is also another place. And um, my show on PBS is Simply Delicious Living. So if they go to simplydeliciousliving.com, it all goes to my website and I have links to where they can buy the books and everything else. So alohawriter.com is the easiest. Okay, Aloha Writer. All right, yeah. And when I upload this to the podcast platforms, I'll put it in the description section as well. Wonderful. Thank you. My sister, <laughs> nobody is as competitive as you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I was the youngest of seven, and they were all athletes. Yeah, let's. You know, so, so it's like I got tired of being so and so's li little brother. I'm the oldest <laughs> and the youngest one. Oh, okay. you know, they're all very wonderful achievers, uh, my yeah. sisters, but the young, youngest one, he wanted to make sure he was in the running. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> <He did well. laughs> out of all of the, the awards and trophies and stuff I've won, the best thing was just being called my name. Because <laughs> I was I was Monique's little brother. I was Richard's oh. little brother. I was Ralph's little brother. Oh, you're Ramona's little brother. I'm like, yeah. I want to be called Rob. Call <laughs> me <laughs> <laughs> by my name. <laughs> so, that's great. I love that. <laughs> so that's that's where that little competitive edge came from. <laughs> <laughs> and and it apparently ne never left because <laughs> I still have it. <laughs> All right. So give us some final words. Some final words, uh, since we're talking about joy, just live your authentic life and find what that is inside of you that gives you that joy. Walk in nature, write it down in the morning, pray about it, think about it, just live it because it's going to make your life heaven. Yes, so true, love it. I, I say on this show all the time, once you drop the mask, Mm -hmm. And you just start being yourself. Being yourself. Like, people will accept you for being you. Like people know they can't peer pressure me. Yes. Like they know if, if I want to do something, I will. If I do not, I won't. 
and, and when they, you're, and they when you're yourself, you're not going to be afraid to speak in front of others either. You were talking yes. about sometimes people are frightened. You'll yes. be it'll be easy to tell your story because it's you're you and you 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 accept you you present you the way you are. If someone doesn't yeah. like it, well, okay, but this is me. Yeah, yeah, and um, <laughs> to, to to that too. When I first started this, I, I went to see a speaker coach, and. She, she says, you know, you, you can't be showing up to speaking events in a tank top. And I was like, why? And she's like, just just because. I was like, yeah. I said, but that's the box that, that you put for you. I said, let me tell you, I've spoken on many a platform now since everything went virtual and internationally as well. Not one person was like, I, I wish you would have had sleeves on. <laughs> not, not one person is like. You know, when, when I'm speaking about whatever the topic is, it's like I go I go all in. You know, like I have my stories dialed in very well mm -hmm. and, and I go all in. And like I said, not one person was like, you know, we have you on again. Can you like, you know, maybe not wear the tank top? Like never happens. So so it's like people always try try to stuff you into a box. Yeah. And it's up to you to just show up. And I'm just me. Like I just show up and I'm me. And that's enough. Yeah. So thank you very much. This thank was a great, great conversation. And I, I, I feel like we could have we could have gone on for another another hour or two talking about this stuff. So yeah, it's it's nice, it's it's nice having having like-minded people, but but it's also nice that we can put this conversation out and then the people that struggle with what is my lane. You know, I'm at this crossroad. How do I move on from it? Yeah. And in conversations like this. Again, like I said in my intro, is to help you clear whatever is blocking your path to get into where you want to be. So thank you for taking the time to share your experience and your stories. Much and you can do it. You can do it. Absolutely. Yes. Don't sign out yet, though. Okay. All right. I'll see, I'll see you in a couple of minutes. All right. All right. So that was Mary Ann. You can get her books and find her information at alohawriter.com. And for those listening on the audio is A-L-O-H-A-W-R-I-T-E-R.com. And yes, all about creating more joy in your life. So I'm going to be back on Tuesday, Monday, Monday this week with another great guest. So I will see you then. Take care. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Until next time, shut up and grind.